0: welcome listeners to the Lawrenceville Bicentennial Podcast, a special edition of Gwinnett History back in the day. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lawrenceville Bicentennial Podcast. I'm your host Nate McGill from Gwinnett Magazine and today I'm super excited to have a whole panel of really smart people talking about the arts in Lawrenceville. Guys, uh, It's kind of crazy, like the emphasis on the performing arts is well known in downtown Lawrenceville, of course, with the new uh, addition of the Lawrenceville Performing Arts Center. Um, And then of course, in 2019, uh, the Lawrenceville Art Commission was organized. And so that kind of launched to promote like the expansion and education, enhancement of public art in the city of Lawrenceville. So we're definitely gonna talk about that today. Uh, it's kind of become a vibrant community for a lot of local artists. So we're super, super excited to have uh, Calvary Glassblowing in the house today, talking about that. And and then of course you can't talk about the arts in Gwinnett County without talking about the Hudgens. And so they've been uh, you know promoting the arts in went it for 40 years now, really. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So super stoked to be here in this conversation. Uh, Really glad to have all of you guys here today with us. And uh, I just want to start off kind of maybe jumping into your story, uh, how how you first got into the arts, how you got into what you're doing now. Maybe you can just introduce yourself and then we'll just go around the table and talk about your breaking in story to the arts. Uh,
1: Yeah, so uh, I've kind of done art my whole life. I'm one of the art kids that did stuff, but uh, really in college, stepped into a glass blowing studio, fell in love immediately with the, the fire, the action, the immediacy of the artwork. And from there, 20 plus years later, still doing it full time, loving it every day and enjoying kind of being the truck driver of the art world.
0: Wow. That's pretty interesting. So when you're when you're blowing glass, like you got into it from the art side or you got into the interest from from so, the product
1: so, itself? So I found it in uh in the actual art department at our college and oh wow, okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. So yeah, just went down there for for a visiting artist and uh failed epically. And
0: uh <laughs> you know, I immediately had to do it. That's awesome. Very great. Well, how, why don't you introduce yourself and then and how you got into where you're at right now?
2: Yes, absolutely. So I'm Arlie Sanders, and I followed a very traditional path when I went to college. I didn't do much art. I loved it. But everybody in my life said, you're never going to make any money being an artist. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in the corporate world and I spent a lot of time in academia, uh-huh. but always loved art. And then in 2014, I just accidentally literally fell into a little upstart art studio called the Dizzy Gypsy, oh, very in Lawrenceville cool. Square, started by two, gentle- two gentlemen there in Lawrenceville, Chris Collin and Ben Bailey. And from then on, I just fell in love with local art, working with artists, the business of art, anything art related. And, then, wow. and that's how I got started.
0: That's amazing. And, and so you are the chair now, right? of the Larsville's Art Commission. So that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and I love it. I, if I could do it full-time, I would. Um, we started in 2018. Uh, the city approached me and several artists who were affiliated with the Gypsy as well as other art organizations in town mm-hmm. and said, we want to do some public art. And we formed a task force, came up with what we want a, ta- a commission to do. And then the pandemic happened, so it slowed us down a little bit. Sure. But we... we Picked back up last year and started in October, officially, and we're not even a year into our tenure, and we were getting a lot of things done. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, you, so you guys have a couple of projects, uh, the Alley uh, Extension uh, project. Now, is that done, or is that the renovation or the, the signage, or is it just the signage? I, just, I saw something. Oh, today. no,
2: the signage is temporary. It's just okay. a little wrapper. So there was this little place on Perry Street called Doug's Work Boots for years and years. Right. Mm-hmm. And they tore that little store down and created an alley, which it had originally been an alley before. They just popped a little store in there at some point.
0: Like you do. You yeah, know? you just
2: fill in the spaces. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we pl- we worked with an archi- an architectural designer, and we came up with a really... Simple but flexible design, so that we have some lights and some art, and we have an opportunity to have art exhibitions and things like that there. So, in about four months, it's going to be done. It's blocked off with the little sign that you see there right now that says "Pardon our progress." And in about four months, we're going to have a really fabulous little pass through that's going to be decorative and fun and a great destination.
0: Exciting stuff! Exciting stuff. Of course, if uh, folks have been following the podcast, last episode we talked uh, to folks down there in the depot district. And, of course, that's another project is the signage that you guys are working on for that, correct? Is that? Am I right about that? You
2: are, okay. absolutely. We um, also worked with a designer to come up with these archways, is what we're calling them. Okay. And they're going to be very decorative, um, metal, and they're going to brand the depot district. But they also serve another purpose. They're going to hopefully prevent large trucks, trash trucks, things like that, from coming to the square. Yeah. To make the square more pedestrian-friendly.
0: Um, so this is like public art. This is, uh, you know, the emphasis is on public art. It's on different kinds of art. Um, fascinating stuff, I think, um, that you guys are doing. And then of course, let's, let's talk about the Hudgens a little bit. Uh, maybe introduce yourself. How'd you get into this role and tell us a little bit about the Hudgens for folks who don't know.
3: So thank you so much, Nathan. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Laura Balance, and I'm executive director for the Hudgens Center for Art and Learning. We started out, as you mentioned, 40 years ago, March 27th of 1981, to be exact, as Gwinnett Council for the Arts. Um, I, myself, am an Atlanta native. I grew up, I was one of those kids who was sketching in my room. I got an old Nikon F for Christmas one year and got into photography. Um, I come from an airline family, Atlanta native, Delta pilot built a flight attendant, two sisters who went on to be flight attendants. I did not get the flight attendant job, so my parents, <laughs> I remember, were so disappointed. Um, my mom was like, you're just, I, you're just gonna have to be a lawyer, I guess, so um, that was the, the, the backup plan. If I didn't make it as a flight attendant, I would just <laughs> go into law. Um, so again, this, a similar thing that you would hear back in the late 80s and early 90s, that you know, the, art wasn't really a marketable career path. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which is something I, I don't, I no longer think that's that's a valid statement. Um, and uh, so as I was studying for the LST, um I applied for a position at the Woodruff Arts Center, Atlanta College of Arts specifically, and began uh, designing their community education program, any kind of non-degree um, programming for the college and for the Arts Center. Um, and from there went on to spend another 10 years at SCAD Atlanta, Savannah College of Art Design in Atlanta, never took the LSAT, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, let what you love drive what you do, mm-hmm. so, um, and I've long known of the Hudgens up here and its great reputation, so uh, about a year and a half ago, just as the pandemic was, was taking hold of our world, I was offered the position as executive director, I wasn't looking, but uh, when the opportunity surfaced, I jumped on it. Just
0: that's awesome. So
3: happy to be there. So yeah, I love it. I that's love great. It. It's a great place to be. That's
0: great. What What does it mean to be an artist to you?
1: What does it mean to be an artist? Uh, I don't even know if I even consider myself an artist at this point because I differentiate craft, art, and fine art so differently. And mm-hmm. then I spend most of my life right now in somewhere between educational. Uh, and in a maker space yeah. you know I, I really consider myself a glass maker more so than an artist because for myself defining what when I used to go after fine art needed to have some sociological political or some sort of very viable statement of my place my time my history that I'm observing in the world right and I think over the course of my life that'll be something that's always something I keep in the back of my mind and I'm working towards but in my day-to-day where I'm just making, continuing, perfecting skills, educating people that come through my studio and having beautiful conversations or showing them how to work with glass, either through demonstrations or just uh, a simple project like a paperweight ornament or this time of year, we're making lots of pumpkins and, uh, and, and having fun in that craft. Um, but the long term as being an artist, I think it's just being open to the creative process and observing the world around me. Mm.
0: Yeah. like that I mean trying to find the authenticity and what it is that you're doing and how folks might respond to that probably yeah. you know just defining who am I who am I what what does that mean in
1: this time and looking back you know over the course of you know you know my 45 years you know how that's changed to be you know lack of a better term a white male in society right now versus What it meant when i was born what it Mm. might mean in 30 years from now but ultimately i can't worry about the past or the future i just have to focus on who i am right here right
0: now yeah in the moment
1: in the moment and observe the way you know my environment around me and what's going on around me and maybe have some commentary about it but at the moment you know my my commentary is mostly just about sharing loving and giving art back into the community right
0: Wow, that's, that's cool. That's really good. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to come up with that realization that you're talking about, I think. And it's, I think it's sometimes hard for people to even know what we're talking about right now when you're trying to pull back the layers, like talking about being present in the moment and pulling back the facades and the expectations on anybody who's making anything and the art, or that is um, you know, identified as being a part of the art world you know, you're always trying to, I feel like, peel back the onion layers to what's, who am I? What's authentic? I don't want to play the part of this artist or this, I don't want to play the part. I want to be me and I want to make what I love to make. And I want it to say something, but not for the sake of just saying something. I want it to be true to who I am right now, if that makes sense. No, that's perfect. That's exactly
1: what it is. And it's like, so I don't really worry about, too much of it it's so much and glass making is perfect for it because it's so in the moment yeah you know you have to make split second decisions i can't really step back and look at it a lot yeah uh um, versus like where when i was learning to paint where you paint and you can step back you can come back to it the next day glass it's here it is
0: man i love that it's so instant and you, yeah, and like you don't have time to sit back and go, "What's anybody going to think of this?" Because <laughs> you're like literally, and it's moving, forming, and it's alive
1: it. while you're working with it. So it's constantly, it's just, it's constantly alive and moving. We're basically playing with glowing lava.
0: Brilliant, that's brilliant. So how about you? Uh, when it comes to art, um, you know, what is it that you love about it? Um, you, you mentioned the viability of it as a career path, and and you've had a journey into that. Maybe talk about that just a little bit.
2: Absolutely. I don't consider myself to be an artist. I consider my role primarily to give voices to artists like Kelly um, and use art to build community and create connections. So something that became a very big part of Dizzy Gypsy's mission when I started working with it in 2014, and I'm trying to carry that over to the Arts Commission on a wider scale, is the concept of creative placemaking. So I grew up on a farm that has been in our family since the 1840s, and it has all these beautiful buildings and these beautiful trees. It's about 400 acres. It's just this incredible landscape, Mm. and it's got uh, rock features, very old, you know, architectural features all over. And so seeing these visual signs that I grew up with gives me a sense of roots and connection. Oh, yeah. And I want to create that for um, Lawrenceville. Right. You know, you have the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Everybody sees that piece of art and immediately thinks of Paris. Um, if you've been to Philly, you have the brotherly love statues that they have there, sure. the big red love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want something like that in Lawrenceville that creates that sense of place Mm -hmm. for our residents and for visitors alike
0: i think what's helped a lot is cities like lawrenceville in the county um kind of figuring out each individual identity of what is lawrenceville what is duluth what is swanee and and starting to think through like what's the iconic nature of of some of these structures and some of these buildings the architectural design you know the the community as a whole like It's super important. And I think the only thing that we really had that was close to that was probably the water towers they tore down about 10 years ago off of 85, because you just, you knew you were in Gwinnett County when you drove past them, you saw the logos, Gwinnett is great, success lives here. And that's not around anymore, even though the photos are still around and they're still used all the time, you know, because we need that. And I think, uh, Anytime I see that, that's my thought of like, well, what's the next one gonna be? And without folks like you working on that, it doesn't it doesn't happen. So greatly appreciate uh, all of that. Anything that's like that, and I, I think there's different types of art uh, that we all engage with on a day to day basis. Um, that and and it's so uh, widespread. Sometimes you don't think about the different areas um, that that art really encompasses, when you look at it through that lens. Maybe, can you help us kind of look at that a little bit?
3: Oh my goodness, Nathan, I'm so glad you asked. I would love to. <laughs> so picking up where R. Lee left off, um, creative placemaking is is of course super important. Um, and the idea that uh, you know a career as an artist is just, you're gonna be the starving artist, I think is an antiquated one. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, maybe that was true. But we now have um, the creative economy where, oh gosh, you know, you can go into a hardware store and buy a toilet brush for $1.89. And it's functional. it will clean your toilet. That's fine. Right. More people go to Target and buy the $20 Michael Graves design toilet brush. It's true, yeah. Because it, it's cute. It fits with their aesthetic. And, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. they'll pay 20 times. Well, maybe 10 times. I'm not didn't more. Go into math. They'll pay more. Yeah, more. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for you know the 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 item that really appeals to them in, mm-hmm. a, in a truly aesthetic, artful way. Um, we had an event at the Hudgens this past weekend um, to benefit our SMART Honors Program. And this is an outreach initiative. You know, the Hudgens has a really robust education program in addition to our five gallery spaces and sculpture garden. Uh, But one of our outreach initiatives serves Gwinnett County Public High School students um, who face either linguistic or financial barriers. Um, And it's a full year of professional mentorship and artistic training. So this student who, he graduated. He's a smart alum from the 2015. He got a full ride scholarship to Savannah College of Art and Design, and I was speaking with him at uh, the event this weekend. He's now working for Netflix and for Hulu, and for mm-hmm. so these are you know there were students at SCAD who were landing at 22 entry level positions at Google at eighty ninety thousand dollars a year. Right. So there really is a creative economy. The idea that the arts are you mean that you're going to constantly be scrambling to. Hustling to sell paintings, it's just, it's no longer valid, it it no longer fits. Um, We have not just creative placemaking, but the creative economy that's so much an integral part of who we are as a community.
0: What I've started to think about deeper is just, it's okay, just letting artists know, look, it's okay to supplement your income, it's okay to work at this job and do your art, Mm -hmm. but... You know, in my own background and history, I know for a fact that, as I was working on documentaries or working on an art issue that was more of a cause kind of thing, or I had a, a reason for doing that, even if I had funding for that, all that money was going towards the project. I was having to supplement my income, maybe through the same company of working on this marketing project or working on this other piece of, you know, like collateral or whatever that it was, while doing the art. So whether you're supplementing it inside of your own business, or you're supplementing it because you're working other jobs to support your painting habit, you know? It, it's okay. It's just okay. However you figure this out, it's gonna be okay. You can tell mom and dad it's gonna be okay. And like you said, there's plenty of jobs that now depend on the artist's eye, how we're looking at things. Like it's it's just it's just a part of the fabric that we live in today.
3: And Nathan, even for, you know, the the more traditional fine arts like glass blowing and mm-hmm. you know Again, twenty, thirty years ago, you had to have a storefront, you know, gallery representation. People with the who mm-hmm. appreciated art and could write the check would come through, and maybe your painting would appeal to them. Now we have so many more ways to put your work out there with social media and That's true. online stores, Etsy. Um, so even if you are, you know, a traditional studio artist, it's wonderful uh, craft. It's a wonderful medium. You don't have to be this. Great networker, you have all these many platforms to put your work out there, and it helps to enrich our community. That exposure, that increased exposure, where people are seeing, you know, mm-hmm. art through not just as we drive through Buford today, um, but you know, anywhere on the on the internet, it's you know, you can connect with artists from all over the world and appreciate their work and mm-hmm. purchase their work. So.
0: Yeah, you, it's just I think the stigma is kind of starting to 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 die down a bit when it comes to the starving artist. Yeah. you know, yeah. the thought of that. Um, it's funny how how like painting gets into the mindsets of everyone, and when they talk about the arts, they immediately jump to like, oh, y'all are talking about painting, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> And this is a funny story, but, so when me and my wife first started dating, we um, we, we, went, we went out for sushi or whatever, and this is like our second date, maybe second, third date. And we go into this gallery, we're in, we were in downtown Atlanta, and we go into this gallery, and we're looking at all these paintings, and so at the time, I'm like an MFA student, and I'm going, so I'm going for a Master of Fine Arts, I have a film degree, I'm a theater minor, and she asked me what painters that I like, and I'm like, um, <laughs> Uh, who do you like? You know? <laughs> she's like, Well, I'm a big fan of Beverly Doolittle. And I didn't know who Beverly Doolittle was at the time, but she's kinda telling me I didn't know, like, is this like a really fine art kind of painter? Or are we talking about Thomas Kincaid? Like, I don't know like where on the landscape that is. And all that comes to my mind are names of Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think my favorite uh, my favorite painter, Sherman Will- Sher- Sher- Sherman Williams. Yeah, that Sherman. <laughs> so, like, I couldn't think of no. It, it was nothing. I um, had nothing.
3: Nathan, I would like to point out yeah. that Michelangelo was also a teenage mutant ninja yeah, turtle. Yeah. <laughs> quite a fine painter.
0: Yes, Excellent. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so funny. Um, but it, you know, I think painting comes to the forefront. Let's talk about the different types of art that you do. You're you're blowing glass, and that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. You have a, a physical. Uh, product after the fact uh, for folks who want to get into it and make their own, uh, which is really super special. If you want to get into it and learn how to do it, because you walk away with something that's kind of a part of you, uh, and then you also have official appreciators who you know are purchasing the art and buying the art. And you yeah,
1: so know. we always have products when we get done. We have something, even a hot smoldering pile of beautiful glass. Um, but so whether, whether it's coming in and doing classes where we fixating on a certain item that we're gonna make, whether it's something very simple like a cup or a bowl or ornament or a pumpkin, um, or in our own work where we're producing everything from those items to higher end items, sculptural pieces. Uh, we're actually putting together some chandeliers right now, which is pretty exciting, um, and we've had them in our head for a little while, but uh, the other thing with glass blowing it's like, it's such a team sport. Um, you can do it by yourself but to really elevate it and work within more complex things you know training and working with two three four people at a time and this beautiful choreography in there and uh and creating you know art or products um either way you want to look at tell,
0: it maybe tell folks how they can get involved with it if they want to get involved with
1: uh so if you want to get involved with it so really easily um you know you can go to cavalryglass.com. Uh, there on every page, there's a book your class now where you can come in. Uh, you can actually even just stop by the studio. We're there from 11 to seven, seven days a week. Um, and you can always pop by, take a look, walk through the gallery, look at the work, pick it up, touch it, um, watch us while we're working. If we're even if in class, we've got a viewing area that's just outside the studio that you can stand there safely and watch everything going on. Um, if it's just us in there working, we're always happy to invite you in, give you some safety glasses. We've got chairs sitting back there. We'll put you in a safe spot, even if we're working with the big flamethrowers, um, which yeah, it's lots of fire, lots of fun. Probably the That's music. Cool. If, if nobody's visiting us at the time, the music might be a little loud, um, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll turn it down for you, no problem. Um, but yeah, no, we'll come in there. Uh, you can get involved just by coming in, watching and asking questions. We're always happy to answer any questions about anything that we're doing, anything that we can make. Uh, the limitations of what we're doing and stuff like that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, taking classes is a big part of what we do over there. Uh, we will actually book classes between 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. every day of the week. Uh, either myself and I've actually now got two other guys that are contracting with us to come in and help teach some classes and they're phenomenal, high energy, great positive guys. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get some gals in there soon. But uh, right now, so you can come in there and you can do everything from our product classes, which are ornaments, flowers, paperweights, pumpkins, cups, bowls, bases. Uh, we're actually getting to add a few new ones that will be coming up like fish and uh birds and some basic like very fun little sculpting things that go really quickly and allow you to really play with the glass a little bit more than just blow it because sometimes blowing is kind of the art of not touching it ah uh-huh, gotcha. so it's yeah it's a lot of you know watching it grow and doing different things and you don't really touch it very much Whereas sculpting you actually get your hands on it or tools on it um mm-hmm. and squeeze it and move it and shape it a little bit and uh yeah, will be able to do those and book those through our website anytime you want, or just call the studio which the phone number and everything's right there on the front page and always happy to hear from you. And it's generally me answering the phone, but yeah, sometimes I get somebody else. Where's the know. studio located at? We are what two blocks south of the central downtown of Lawrenceville. Okay. We're actually in the depot district. Where our neighbors are Slowpore and Iron Shield. Okay. Uh, wonderful. They're just across the street from us. We're at three eighty five Orange Street.
0: Awesome, man. That's, that's really cool. Uh, let's talk about uh, jumping over. Tell us a little bit about the gallery. Tell us a little bit about, about um, you know, what you found with the community of artists that are in downtown Lawrenceville.
2: That was something when I started working with the Dizzy Gypsy <clears throat> that immediately struck me like a brick in the face, was the artists in the community that we have there in Lawrenceville. You would, being, being from small towns myself, I... Just kind of took for granted how many creative people can be in a town. And I had the um I had the dizzy gypsy space where um, foggy bottom, right now barbecue is on the square and it was Mm -hmm. the perfect little space that we had and people like kelly just started wandering in the doors and they would bring me their art or they would tell me what they wanted to do or they Uh would they would ask about how they could get involved and the dizzy gypsy was run by all volunteers where there was no money to be made it was just a little gallery and if you wanted to display there as an artist you had to volunteer to work a shift or two and just and it was also an operating studio so if you're an artist and you're working a shift or two just to greet people and maybe make sales Mm-hmm. Um, you could be in their painting, you could be in their sculpting. We had party pottery artists who brought their potter's wheels down, and would just set up and people from the square would just flow in the doors. Yeah. And you would talk to people who said, Oh, I love to paint, or I love to sculpt, but I never thought about Really doing it. And then they would get involved and suddenly be addicted to hanging out at the Dizzy Gypsy, meeting other artists, and really taking their art seriously. And so it was a really fun gallery, um, the space itself. But Dizzy Gypsy is still going. Um, I go and put art in different places all over town. So right now I have an art show. It's a pet themed art show um, with seven different artists uh, hanging up there at the brewery, Iron Shield. And you can go in there and check it out. You can buy the paintings off. The wall and it benefits the artists. And I'm looking at <clears throat> starting a little program called Art Loves Beer Loves Art, where I p- place <laughs> nice. art throughout different breweries throughout Gwinnett. Oh well, So very we, cool. we might be working with some like Monkey Wrench, Slow Pour. And beer and art seems to go really well together. Yeah. Oh. You, unless it's glass and you're working with flame. I don't know about that. <laughs> but Looking at art and even purchasing art and just enjoying that kind of scene in that atmosphere is something that seems to work really, really well in the community.
0: Sure. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. When it comes to the arts and like how we measure the arts, I heard uh, maybe a few folks say this before uh, when it comes to economic development, but... It, in 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 terms of like the art community, a lot of times when companies are even moving into our area and they're looking to transplant here or put their headquarters inside of Gwinnett, one of the questions on the sheet is uh, how's the art community? And because it's always been an economic development driver, if, if a community has a thriving and um, good you know art community, it's a good sign that it's a healthy uh, community in which to move your company, which I thought was fascinating. Um, of course, the Hudgens has been here for 40 years now, started 1981.
2: 81.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, it's it's been around for quite a bit. Can you tell us some of the history with that?
3: Sure. I would love to. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan. Um, so yeah, March 27th, 1981. Uh, got that date.
0: Memories, in, yeah. it's an important
3: date an auspicious date um so. there, there was
0: no arts going on in Gwinnett County in 1981 you know, I can just tell you um gosh that was uh I guess Reagan was president then but we had basically the movie Deliverance in Georgia and that was as close <laughs> to art as we pretty much came
3: listen Burt Reynolds is an icon
0: yeah that's true that is very true, um, very true.
3: <laughs> yeah not a lot of art uh, more gravel roads and art yes. in Gwinnett at the time, probably. But um, Gwinnett Council for the Arts, which is now the Hudgens, was established with a donation of artwork um, from a, f- a few um, women, families here in the Gwinnett community who who felt the need, saw the need to bring art to Gwinnett.
0: That's wonderful.
3: It, it really is. Yeah. So our permanent collection, we actually have an exhibition now in our main gallery, the Fowler Gallery Um, selected works from the Hudgens Permanent Collection. In that, we have, gosh, three pieces, uh, a lithograph, a 3D ceramic piece from Picasso. have Jean Moreau, we have Kandinsky, Rochenberg, oh my gosh, you know, just Max Parrish, um, as well as celebrated local artist, Mary Kistner. Um, It's, yeah, I encourage everyone, our galleries are always free and open to the public thanks to the generous sponsorship of Whole Camp Heating and Air. Um, oh, and now I forgot your question.
0: No, no, no. That is actually that's actually a perfect illustration because it's it's walking through the history of. Uh, of, of just the difference between that early days of just mm-hmm. starting it off as a gallery and donation of art to all of the wonderful artists that you can literally go there physically experience, get in the same physical space as some of these amazing artists from around the world mm-hmm. and uh, and then also, of course, our regional art and, and local art.
3: Yes, yes. Thanks for getting me back on track. So um, <laughs> from there, it evolved. Um, it started in a small house in Lawrenceville. Um, our permanent collection now is valued at Upwards of five hundred thousand dollars, and we're working with uh, within the community. uh, We'll be doing some installations of Hudgens permanent collection work in the Lawrenceville City Hall. Um, We've been talking to Georgia Gwinnett College for the same. um, Some other. Yep, maybe in Lawrenceville Performing Arts Center, so sure. we'll just have to see. But trying to get that permanent collection out into the community so that everyone has access to the arts. I mean, I think that's really key, is that not just that so we have an established um, arts community, but that it's accessible to everyone and that everyone is enriched by it. It's such a vital part sure. of our world and our, our economy. Um, but then the Hudgens evolved to include two education wings and... Um, Current location is on the Gas South District campus. So it's a 34,000 square foot building with the adults and children's education wing, the five gallery spaces. We have a 28,000 square foot sculpture garden, which is the most wow. serene place in all of Gwinnett. Um, we have a little fish pond and it's a Audubon sanctuary area. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a place for everyone. And, you know, the goal now is to make sure that as quickly as Gwinnett grows mm-hmm. it continues to grow that everyone is aware of the resource here a vital resource in the community that's that's the Hudgens right
0: yeah yeah you know I, I think that's it is actually <laughs> a great um, next step to go from you know every because you know even two decades ago um, you know you would go to the Hudgens to, to experience art but now that you guys are extending out into the community of other places uh, I mean there's so many people that they're just you know having it just doesn't make sense to have it in one spot like to to have the parks and the educational classes and bringing in the community I mean you guys have a lot to offer always have we really appreciate you guys being here everything that you've done uh, for of course uh, Gwinnett and Lawrenceville and uh, and yeah so I want to kind of end the podcast with uh, kind of a a deep question um, that maybe has no answer I'm not sure (laughs) but what do you think is good art sir? Anything that you like anything that you so like i've
1: always found art whether it's uh visual music theater anything like that it's all subjective right ultimately to you it's whatever you like my answer is probably going to be completely different than yours i'm going to be a, probably a little more favoritism towards glass uh-huh. in general but couldn't see but, that but at the same time <laughs> i i really you know honestly my favorite probably autistic medium is movies like i i love movies right like adore them. I watch them probably more than I should. But and just everything from the AFI to the, you know, the comical Jerry Lewis things. Sure. And, and I have, well, so ultimately good art is whatever moves you, whatever sues you, what it gives you whatever you need, whether it's art as far as painting, sculpture, music, theater, whatever that, that drives you, that sues your soul is good art.
0: I'll mention this before asking you the same question, but uh, you know you you mentioned movies, um, you know, and I don't really get into my own background on this podcast, but it, you know, I, working in the movie entertainment business for as long as I did, um, one of the things I would often tell other artists is that the movies are an industry. And so if you have a, a particular craft or art that you work on, the movie's kind of like uh, it's, it's not as much about being a filmmaker as it is about um, being in that industry. So, I mean, no matter what you do, if you're into interior design, you can pretty much do that within the film industry as a set designer. If you're thinking about, you know, even if you're a a painter, even if you're an artist, like a drawer, as a film industry kind of grows, you know, we need storyboard artists. You you need people to like craft out through things. It's It's a way to supplement your income when an industry does move in. We've had some of that industry move into Georgia and into Lawrenceville, um, specifically, as we're talking about Lawrenceville, you know, we'll mention, you know, Sleepy Hollow had their third and fourth seasons shot a little bit in downtown Lawrenceville. Uh, Ozark uh, kind of came into Lawrenceville, uh, I think season two or three, I can't really recall. But um, uh, the funeral homes in Lawrenceville from the show Ozark, a couple different things that kind of hit landscape. You know, you've had films uh, like Instant Family shoot. Uh, in city limits, you you have a lot of different movies and stuff that'll come in, um, and for us right now, I feel like the impact is good for uh, the real estate market more than anything probably because they're leasing spaces and and they're they're using the tax incentives to kind of film in our locations, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but getting artists involved um, and into that world still remains you know, it's a struggle, but it's entirely possible um, by marketing yourselves in in that area. You know, whether you're getting into the source book or you're calling the film commissions or you're letting people know that you're there, Um, a lot of times the folks who even call are just folks that have filming locations. But artists themselves could also call and say, look, we do interior design. We source a lot of things for rented spaces and leased spaces, and that's just like a direct move into the, to do that for uh, something like the film. So you're technically kind of still in the arts, but you know, it's just under that field. And I guess that would work for a lot of other, uh, a lot of other um, offsets and different ways that you could maybe supplement a particular type of art or design, you know. Uh, But movie's worth mentioning. Uh, Definitely it's it's one of the arts that, you know, um, that are around cinematic uh, storytelling Uh, Definitely one of the important things, becoming more important to our our region. So um, so what do you think is good art? I mean, what what kind of art do you see most uh, in the gallery? and, And what do you think is really, what do you think folks are responding to the most right now?
2: Well, what I work with primarily, for Dizzy Gypsy, especially since it's mobile, is Mm -hmm. 2D art that I can hang on a wall. Oh, interesting, yeah. (laughs) I have in the past hung some of Kelly's glass art on the wall, and he gets really creative about how I can do that. Um, But primarily painting and photography. But you hit on something just now, talking about film, about what I think is really good art and it has to do with storytelling Mm -hmm. I could you know I could go into Walmart or Target and pick out this really cute print of a cow and that's all great and wonderful but I have no connection to that when I work with artists which is my all time favorite thing I need to know their story behind a piece of art Mm. I'll have artists that will send me progress pictures of things that they're painting and then when I get that art and it's my job to represent them out in the community, I love it that much more because I can go into somewhere where it's hanging and I can introduce myself to people or patrons and just say, let me tell you the story about this art and let me tell you the story behind this artist and what they're doing with their life and why they wanted to express themselves this way. And people fall in love with it and that's when they want to purchase the art. It's not just something that's visual and speaks to their soul. It's a connection to the artist behind the art that I think is really good art.
0: Yeah, that's that, that is very true. You have to have a soul in there and a story uh, that, that aligns with your story in order for it to resonate. It's very well said, very well said. So it all comes down to your answer here. What is good art?
3: Oh my goodness, I feel the pressure. Well, I have to agree with Kelly and, and Aurelie. You know, it's, it's subjective. Um, it's relatable, and i I'm a huge fan of documentary photography, um, documentary film. Uh, I think what really makes art important is the sincerity in it from mm-hmm. the artist. and and as much as that's conveyed to the audience, you know if you can pick up, even if you're not you don't like that particular medium or I, I don't understand abstract art, or you know whoever is walking in and just sure. doesn't make sense to me, if you can can communicate that sense of sincerity, I think it inspires other people um, to, to tap into their creative outlet. That's healthy for our community. Oh man, that's good. We have um, at the Hudgens um, outreach programs where we work with developmentally different adults, um, those who are living with a cancer diagnosis, um, veterans who are experiencing PTSD. For. For them, the pandemic and and oh, isolation yeah. was a totally unique set of challenges, and uh, through uh, Project Welcome Home, that's the the veterans program, you know they're doing monthly writing sessions. So one month that might be poetry and prose, another stream of consciousness writing, another business and professional writing. For the cancer patients, they're um, communicating, you know, all that's kicking around inside yeah, them psychologically, getting their heads around the diagnosis. Um, for many, it's a terminal diagnosis. So they're painting, they're you know, messy painting. Wow. Um, and sincerity is, is how it doesn't matter for how many years you spend oh, studying art or, or studying the great masters. It's it's what's coming out of you that's genuine and raw and sincere, and I think that makes for really compelling art.
0: That is true. I mean, that is, that, I believe that 110% with my core, that you have to have that type of authentic approach to what it is that you're creating, no matter the skill level. Um, and I think it's there. It, it just takes looking beyond um, the painter's reputation or the artist's reputation in a way. But if I, if I did go back to that day with my wife in the art gallery, you know, I probably if I had not been like trying to impress a girl, I probably would have said like, okay, well, I love Rembrandt's, you know, Prodigal Son, because it's not what you think it's going to be when you hear the title, because it's such a dark painting, like the background is just so dark, yet it's the story of redemption, and it was something kind of personal into his story, and you see a Rembrandt, and you're like, okay, well, he's well respected, that's a pretty safe answer, Nate, you know, but if I said Thomas Kincaid. Okay, And everybody would probably be like, well, I don't know. He was pretty, he manufactured a lot of stuff. He was in every mall in America. How do I feel about Thomas Kincaid? But then when I think deeper and I go, well, look, I don't know if you guys know this, but Thomas Kincaid, he died of an overdose. He was a deeply depressed individual. He was known as the painter of light. But all of those images that were so iconic, Norman Rockwellian, They were just so beautiful. Like when you have all that darkness inside you, he was painting the world that he wanted to live in. So his expression was there. It just is not appreciated because of the commercial value of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the duplication of it and all that kind of stuff, it kind of goes into the business of it. But at the end of the day, as just a singular, singular painter, you know, he's painting these wonderful, iconic Disney like worlds. And at the same time, you know, just internally he's just he is darkness so it's just the conflicting you know view is it's there you're painting the world you're in when you talked about the cancer patients and the stuff, the folks dealing with something like that or if you're dealing with addiction or you're dealing with all these different kinds of things that can kind of go into your art what is true about you as an artist that you can express don't try to make something that someone else is making don't try to copy don't try to just say okay well that's a safe bet go for like what's in you. So if there's any artists listening, if there's kids listening, students listening, uh, just want to let them know like that is, that's the gold that you're looking for. Get better in your craft, get better in your skill, but be honest. And that's going to help you along your journey, whether somebody buys the painting or not. Mm-hmm. You know, does it help you from day to day? It's kind of like, that's, that's why we do art. That's why we make stuff and go make the thing and don't wait until you feel qualified to make it Go take a class at the Hudgens. Go learn how to blow gr- glass. Go, you know, put your art up in a gallery. Show the world of, of what you've got. Bring your honest truth to the table. And I think that is the magic uh, about uh, the creative community and the artists that we have. And guys, Lawrenceville, it's a growing, it's a booming place. Uh, if you look at it through the arts lens, I think you're gonna really be able to open your eyes and see some amazing things that the city is doing, uh, that these artists are doing. And I would encourage everybody to get more involved in the arts community here in uh, Lawrenceville. Guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. Really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you guys all for being here today. It's been wonderful. And until next time, y'all have a good one.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
0: And that is how the conversation went down. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next month with much more to talk about. So make sure you subscribe so you never miss this monthly series on the Lawrenceville Bicentennial Podcast. Bye for now.